Amen, amen, amen. <clears throat> Would you please take your Bibles and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, please? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I do want to say thank you to Harvest Baptist Church. Um, we were so privileged to be on staff here for uh, three years, from 2006 to 2009. And um, the only reason I I've learned this, uh, we are so blessed at our church in Loomis Park Baptist Church. You can look us up on the web. I mentioned it. We are the only Loomis Park Baptist Church in the world. So that's better than Google advertising right there. All you got to do is start typing in Loomis Park Baptist and boop, our name comes up, Jackson, Michigan. I realized this, especially when COVID hit. I was just sharing this morning, <clears throat> I think with uh, Brother Paul and Miss Betty, we were talking after the service and saying when COVID first hit, uh, I began to get a little bit nervous and uh, thinking about, um, I have, uh, we have a, a, a part-time secretary, we have two part-time custodians, and I have two full-time uh, associate pastors, a youth pastor and uh, an associate pastor, and I'm responsible for them as a pastor, as somebody who hired them. I, we have 53 missionaries, Brother Gallo, I'm responsible for the support of them. And uh, I remember God settled my heart on that. He said, uh, are you responsible? I think I'm responsible for the care of them. But you know what I mean, just in regards to that. And I remember um, when Pastor Shad asked me to come, and uh, I, I could tell you the, the first part because I love him and he loves me. And he said, oh, 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 we're, we're, taking, we're taking you on full time, brother. I mean, this is, there's no doubt about it. We're taking you on full time. And I remember Brother Dayfield, I said to him, I said, well, preacher, I said, listen, I have a good job in Enfield right now. Why don't we start part-time and see how it works? And, uh, and so pastor said, well, we'll give you a you know, couple hundred dollars a week. Or I, I don't even remember what it was, something like that, preacher. And he said, of course, you can stay here uh, in, the, in the prophet's chamber. You and your wife can stay here. And, and uh, about two weeks later, I come down to his office. He said, I don't know what I was thinking about that full-time thing. That's just not going to work, Amen. Hey, you know what? You know, listen, when I go back and I sing that song, thank you, and I think about all you people who've given to the Lord, I, there's people in this room who privately have been so generous to me, just slipping a little something in my pocket and, hey, take Carrie out for, for dinner or something like that. And then, listen, uh, you, know, you know what I've realized? That to have staff and to be able to pay staff, you need people that give. It's a fact, and so I just want to say thank you uh, for those of you all those years ago, and uh, for those of you that have been given to the love offerings this week and stuff. What a blessing! I mean, it's just I, I'm so blessed, and you know, Pastor's already talking about maybe a men's thing next year and uh, coming back and preaching next year, and I, I I'll do my best next year. Some of you have scolded me. I will try to bring the family next year, but you can blame the blue states of New England. That's why Carrie didn't come because she said, look. If the biggie's not open, I'm not going, amen? And so, <laughs> amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to read the first 10 verses. And I want to preach to you on a subject, Pastor, uh, not, not much oft preached anymore, but a very important subject and uh, called the judgment seat of Christ. Would you stand with me if you're physically able, please, and look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. In verses 1 through 10, you follow along with me. Great chapter of the Word of God. Goodness, uh, there's so many sermons in this chapter. Uh, just, just blessed. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so, be, or if so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who hath also given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. 
Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Verse 10 is our text. Look at it with me. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Father, we have had such a wonderful time going back to Wednesday night and thinking about the service that we had and the the special music and the congregational singing and Lord, how wonderful it was just to see some folks that we've not seen in so long. And Lord, uh, preaching on let's start with the heart. And then, Lord, Thursday night, how special it was to have uh, the girls come down from Holyoke. And uh, Lord, we preached on the believer's greatest loss. Lord, losing the assurance of our salvation. And Lord, then Friday night, it's such a sweet service as we preached on heading home. The prodigal came to himself and said, I will arise. And then, of course, yesterday, just spending the day with the pastor. And then today, all day, uh, 8.15 and then 9.30 Sunday school and 10.30. And now as we, we close up tonight, Lord, we're asking one more time as Brother Benedict prayed. We pray that, Holy Spirit, you would float through these pews as you've done in each service. Lord, and minister to each heart we're we're going to do what you told us to do we're going to preach the word of god we're going to lord willing do it with power but lord all is vain unless the spirit of the holy one come down and so we ask that you would work in a special way bring conviction where it's necessary bring comfort and consolation where it's necessary and may eternal decisions be made in this auditory literally may eternity be altered because of this service We'll be careful to thank you and praise you for what you've done. For you alone are worthy, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. It's a rhetorical question. You don't have to raise your hand. But uh, have any of you here today ever been in a courtroom as part of a judicial proceeding? Just, you've been in a courtroom. It There is... Uh, there is no place for, for pastor for flippancy or jesting in a, when you walk into a courtroom. It's a serious thing. I was, not so long ago, I was in a courtroom for uh, one of our members and precious people and just going through a, a, a difficulty. And, and there was just, there was a, you know, a, a soberness. There, there was something about, you know, coming before a judge and I I have had to personally appear in a courtroom twice uh, for my my own actions the second time I was in my 30s and uh, uh, it was up on route 5 I was coming home from uh, from work I worked in Enfield and, and lived in Springfield before I came here and I was coming home and it was kind of a rainy uh, night and uh, I was heading north in, in uh, Longmeadow and uh, all of a sudden I mean just as quick as lickety split brother Ron some guy took a left right in front of me bam I mean I, there was no way I couldn't couldn't hit him I, I wasn't even time to hit the brakes that's how close he was and um, of course he, we traded insurance and all that he said I'm so sorry and you know all that so hey that's what you got insurance for and well his insurance uh I ended up having, I had a Jeep, many of you remember you said that Jeep Wrangler, and uh, uh, it was in the shop for quite a while, and uh, I had a rental car, I had a PT Cruiser, remember those things, amen? Can you imagine me in a PT Cruiser? I look like Mr. Incredible, you know, just like this, amen? Just, I, don't, I don't fit in that, I got that big truck out there now, hallelujah, amen? Uh, but I had to rent this PT Cruiser, and the, guy, the guy's insurance company was only going to cover 75% of a rental, but I had a rental for like 28 days. And uh, so I said, my landlord in Springfield was a lawyer, a very high-end lawyer. And so I just, asked, I said, listen, can I get a little free legal advice? You're not, don't put me on the meter for this one, you know? And, and uh, he, I said, uh, I said, 
uh, is it possible to, you know, was it a small claims matter or something like that? He said, yeah, yeah. He said, just let me know. He said, go ahead. I'll, he said, matter of fact, tell me what it, I'll, I'll file it for you. And then just let me know when it comes up. And I said, okay. And so he took care of that whole end of it. And uh, sure enough, uh, I get papers in the mail that says, you must appear in court on such and such a day. And uh, I told him, called him up, said, hey, remember that little small claims thing? Well, it's up in court in Palmer, Massachusetts. And, and preacher, we get there and, and uh, he meets me outside. I mean, he says, uh, he says, uh, refresh my memory on this one. I don't have too many $500 cases, amen. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I told him about it, and I'll never forget going in, and, you know, you're telling your story, and, and you listen, I swear, you know, the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, and, and uh, uh, I remember saying, talking about what happened, and he talked about what happened, and, and uh, this guy said, well, I took a left in front of him, and, and the you know, judge advocate stopped me. He said, you took a left in front of him. He said, well, this and that, and he began to kind of hem and haw a little bit, and I'll never forget the judge advocate saying, I don't care if it was hailing buffaloes. You can't take a left in front of somebody, and then not, and I ended up winning it, amen. So that was a positive one. That was the second time. The first time, oh, you're lucky you don't have to stand up here and confess your sins, amen? That's part of your introduction. I knew I should have scrapped this part of the intro, Pastor, amen? I was a stupid kid, 20 years old, 1992. I had a 78 Chevy Camaro with a 305 in it, and it was too much engine for a 20-year-old kid. And I was behind some grandma up in Agawam, you know, just bending around the road, you know, brrr. it, she, you know, she, it was, it was, I don't know what it was, brother, I, I, pastor, if it was, it was Friday or Thursday, but I think probably every day for her was Sunday when she was driving, you know what I mean, just, and I'm looking, 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 looking for an opening, just give me a gap, you know, I got plenty of car, you know, just, and I, sure enough, I saw a gap, and boom, and I went by her on a double line right up, and there was a policeman sitting right there on the side of the road. I knew I was had Brother Benedict. As soon, I just went, boom, pulled right over, and, <laughs> and I got a ticket for, for passing on a double line, and I got a ticket for, you know, over 10 miles an hour over speeding, and oh, it was like a, you know, it was back in 1992, it was like a $350 ticket, and, you know, the guy said, I said, I'm, I'm an idiot, you know, he came over, I said, I know exactly why I'm pulled over, let me give you some more ammo, you know, to put on the ticket, and uh, uh, he told me all that, and then I remember he said, Pastor, he said, listen, you know, it's a pretty, pretty good-sized ticket, and it's going to go on your record and all that. He said, you can appeal it, and you can go to court if you need a little time to pay it. And I remember going to court, and the judge, you know, it's not good when the judge looks at your ticket and goes, wow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> or starts laughing at you. Oh, man, this is a good one, you know. And uh, he, he said, do you know why you're here? I said, yes, sir, I know why I'm here. I, I've thrown myself on the mercy of the court, you know. I, but it, I'm going to tell you something. Even then, and, and he, thankfully, the judge had a little bit of levity, but it's a sober thing to go to a courtroom. It's a sober thing, you know. When you think about it, it really is. You know, one day, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible talks about in Revelation chapter 20, it's something called the great white throne judgment. You read about that, and don't confuse that what we've read tonight. I'll, I'll, we'll talk about it. But one day when all humanity stands in the courtroom of God, there's not going to be any laughing. There's not going to be any levity. There's not going to be any jesting. Because everybody that gets judged at that judgment their destination is the lake of fire. Now, if you're a Christian tonight, say amen. amen. You will not appear at that judgment as uh, to be judged. You will be there because according to our text, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I believe pastor will be there as witnesses because wherever the Lord is, that's where we are. Wherever he is, that's where we are. I believe that there'll be somebody that said, said, you know, nobody ever told me about Jesus Christ. And by the way, in some cases, to our shame. Huh? 
Is your neighbor going to be able to look down at you and say, why didn't you ever tell me about this? But in some cases, it's going to be, you know, nobody ever told me about Jesus, and uh, God's going to call one of us to witness and say, remember that Saturday on such and such a day when these people came and knocked on your door and tried to give you a gospel track and you pushed it away and closed the door? You remember that? Yes, Lord. That's the great white throne judgment. We're not talking about that today. If you're a Christian, Jesus Christ has already borne your sins. He has already paid for your sins. See, the end of the great white throne judgment is lost people have to pay for their sins. That's, that's the end. That's the judgment. Sin must be paid for. The sad thing for them is Jesus Christ offers all of us a full payment. Okay? So what is the judgment seat of Christ then, Pastor? <clears throat> the judgment seat of Christ, especially to the Corinthians, would not conjure up thoughts of punishment and hell, which most certainly are part of the great white throne judgment. They would, but rather, they would, the, the judgment seat of Christ the, the Corinthians would understand because eight miles outside of Corinth, every three years during Bible times, there was something called the Isthmian Games. The Isthmian Games. And they were a prelude to what we would call the Olympic Games. Except the Isthmian Games were only for professionals. You had to certify that you had been in training for 12 months in the, in the various contests. And especially, uh, particularly like the running contest, Pastor, they would have judges all along the route. And the judges would be watching as these uh, competitors were competing. And the judges were watching. And they, what, what, they, what they would do is, if anyone was declared the winner, they would bring them before an honored seat in the town. It was called the Bema seat. The Bema seat. And they would bring them before that honored seat and, and there would uh, many times be uh, honored officials of that town. Uh, but then they would bring all the judges in. And the honored official many times would have a, a laurel wreath or a stalk of celery that were symbols of victory. And he would have those, and, and that person that was up on the Bema seat would look at the judges and say, did this person compete lawfully? Did they keep all the rules that were there? By the way, you find that in 2 Timothy 2.5. If any man strive for masteries, he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. And if that person, if that one went down to all the judges and they said, yes, this person is the winner, that person would come up to the Bema seat and he would place that laurel wreath on his head. This is the corruptible crown that Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He talks about they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. All run, but only one receiveth the prize. Run, therefore, that ye may obtain, he says. But we do it for an incorruptible crown, the Bible says. So when you think about the judgment seat of Christ, you almost kind of have to retrain yourself because we always think of punishment. Punishment. It's not that at all. It's for rewards or not. Hmm? If you look at our text, look at it with me. Oh, this is such a great chapter of, of new things here. Amen. Notice verse 1, we have a new body. <clears throat> What's that? For we know. I love it when the Bible says that. There are times when it says, it says we know not. Amen. There are times when uh, we know not what we should pray for. Uh, Romans 8.26 Sometimes we don't even know what to pray for. There's other things. We know not uh, what is your life. It is but a vapor, amen? We, we know not how long our life is going to be. We know not when the Lord will return, amen? No man knoweth the day nor the hour. That's okay. This right here says we know. 
that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, that's your body. This tabernacle that you live in, we say that all the time, Pastor. If you have a funeral, uh, we have a funeral at Loomis Park Baptist Church, we say, we see the house of this person, but the person's, that's not the person. It's just the tabernacle that they lived in, the house. If, if the earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. I just preached, uh, I believe it was last week, on uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 58. Uh, we, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Hey, you know what? God's going to give us a new body one day. And hallelujah, Brother Paul is not going to have diabetes. Amen. Amen to that. I can't wait to eat those sugar cake hanging off the tree of life. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory. Whatever it is. Chocolate. Whatever. Amen. New body. You know what? Verses, uh, uh, really, verses 2 through 4, 3 through 4, we get a new desire. Verse uh, 4, really, it says, If we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. What's a new desire? All that will be glory for me, glory for me, glory for me, when by his grace I shall look on his face, that will be glory. Be glory for me. What's, what, what's the new desire? Heaven. Get out of this old world. You know, I got some precious people in my church. I, I really, I pastor wonderful people. You ought to come visit sometime. There's no reason to visit Jackson, Michigan, usually unless you're visiting a loved one. Because we have five prisons within two miles of our church, amen. When people come to visit their loved ones, amen. Really, we get people on Sunday, oh, I just came up to visit my son, he's, he's over here. But uh, I pastor some just, just precious people, and uh, I think about people, pastor, that, you know, they, they bury a spouse, and uh, all their family lives away, and it's just them, and, and, our, and our church. They're part of our church family. But they've said to me, you know, pastor, I just want to go to heaven. I just want to go to heaven. It's hard for me right now to understand that, you know, with a, a six-year-old and a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old and, and a sweet wife. But I, I could certainly see it where it gets to that point. Just, um, I just want to go to heaven. That's a new desire there, new desire, new body. Number three, uh, by way of introduction, love this, new guarantee, verse 5. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who hath also given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your guarantee that you belong to God. He's the pledge. He's the earnest of the Spirit. He's a new guarantee. Amen. Wasn't always that way in the Old Testament. Pastor, you know the Holy Spirit would come on people and then he would go on somewhere else. Amen. But ever since Pentecost, everybody that's been saved receives the gift of the Holy Spirit when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. He's our new, uh, listen, new guarantee. Verses 6 through 8, we have a new state. New state. To say there, it says, therefore we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord for we walk by what? Faith. Never forget that. We walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. So what, what is this talking about here? It's talking about when we leave this world and go to heaven. New state. I'll tell you what, something about that, it's prompt to get, in, to get into that new body, to, to be absent from this body, to be present with the Lord. It's prompt. It's right after death. After death, you'll know where you're going to be for all eternity. At one second after death. And by the way, that's why you ought to be saved. Don't, don't duck it. Don't dodge it. Uh, you, can fool, you can fool your parents, you can fool your friends, you can fool your spouse, but you can't fool God. You're either saved or lost tonight. I, my children have all made professions young. Brother Benedict, I expect later in life that they may say, you know, Dad, I just wasn't really sure, and I wanted to make sure. And you know what I'm going to say? Glory. Glory. 
as long as you're truly saved, as long as you truly trusted Christ. But it's a prompt state. It's a personal state. Each one of us, God has a new body prepared for each one of us. It's, I like this, it's present. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You know what that tells me? There's, there's a con- it's conscious, consciousness. Consciousness. It's a conscious state. And you know what Paul said about this state uh, outside of Corinthians here, 2 Corinthians, but in Philippians, he said it's a preferred state. You know what he said? He said, I'm in a straight betwixt. To depart and be with Christ is far better, but to abide is needful for you. So I'm, I'm in a straight betwixt. He said, to, to depart and be with Christ is far better. How could it not be preferred for the Christian to be with Jesus for all eternity? To be in a place where we can never sin again. I'm looking forward to that day. My goodness, amen. I I think about sinning by accident all the time. Hey, there's going to come a day when when we're in that new state where we'll never sin again. Hallelujah. And then there's a new goal in verses 9 and 10. New body, new desire, new guarantee, new state, new goal. What's the new goal? Wherefore? Whenever you see that word wherefore or therefore, it means go back and read the verses before it. We used to have in Bible college, one of our professors would say, whenever you see the word therefore, say, what's the therefore, therefore? And it brings you back up to the the verse before. It's called a contextual principle, staying in the context. So wherefore, why? Because of our new state, because of our new guarantee, amen? Because of our new desire, because of our new body, wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, whether we're here or there, that we may be accepted of him. And then it says this, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So what's our new goal? To please him and be rewarded by him. To please him. You know, before I was saved, pleasing the Lord, wasn't interested. Didn't care. After I got saved, big difference. I want to please the Lord. I want to be accepted of Him. Now, now when you read that term accepted, again, remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about the judgment seat of Christ. Not talking about your salvation. See, so many people mix up sonship and fellowship. Sonship happens. You listen, here, here's, here's a great example. You know, I have I have a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old, and do you know what they like to do? Annoy each other. And you know what that does? Annoy dad. Okay? So there are times when my children, listen, they'll come in my bedroom. I can see it right now. Like, I actually kind of miss this, but not really. Uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be sitting in my chair at my desk, which is over on uh, this wall, and then our bed's over here. And we have, like, the only big bed in the house, and so the kids wrestle on it, and they, they jump on it a little bit, and, and, and uh, they're in there wrestling. And, and one of them, you know, eventually, like, hurts the other one. It always happens. like, it always happens. And, you know, they'll come point like, oh, I'll say, get out. Get out. Out, O-U-T, get out, G-E-T-O-U-T, get out. And they are not in my best graces at that moment. We're not necessarily having good fellowship, Brother Benedict. But the sonship is without question. They're my children. You trusted Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. How do I know? Galatians 3.26, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. That will never change. Never. You can't do anything to change that. But you can get out of fellowship with the Father. As we talked about on Friday night, the prodigal son went off into the far country. Okay? When we talk about the judgment seat of Christ, when we talk about being accepted of Him, it's that because of all that He's done for us, we want to please Him. Not for heaven and hell, but for rewards. And so, let me give you these points tonight. I have seven points, and I won't be long, I promise. Usually my introductions are the longest part of my message. But the judgment seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, 
What will be, what, what will happen? Let me tell you, Jesus will sit on that Bema seat, that judgment seat, and he will judge the total content of our lives after we were saved. Let me give you a few things that are going to be judged. They're all C's, if you, if you keep an outline, uh, all C's. So the first one is, look at verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Okay? The first thing I believe that's going to be judged is the completeness the completeness, our, the completeness of what we did. That is, everything we did after we were saved will be judged. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 8 puts it this way. It says, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Romans 14, 12. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The total amount of all the work works we did after we were saved will be judged. All of it. All of it. That's a frightful thing, isn't it? When you think about it. When you think about things that we have done, not before we, listen, before I was saved, I know why I did the things I did because I was wicked and lost and all that. And Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 totally described me perfectly, Amen. And you too, because it said, whom, whom we all had our conversation in times past, fulfilling the lusts of the flesh and the desires of the mind. But this is after we trusted Christ. All the times I let God down. All the times I, I did work and my heart wasn't in it. And is it just me tonight or is anybody else? The completeness. Okay. Go with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Number two, the completeness is going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. But number two, our consideration is going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. You say, what's that, Pastor? That's our motives. Why we did what we did. He says in 1 Corinthians 13, great chapter. This is the love chapter, read at many a wedding. But the first three verses tell us a lot. It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, agape love, self-sacrificing love, I am become as sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, that means that though I could preach, and understand all mysteries. I have a, a great understanding of the Word of God. And all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. Just like Jesus said. If you have mustard seed faith, you can remove a mountain. He said, I can have all that. And have not charity. He said, I am nothing. And then read. look at verse 3 with me. It's incredible. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. That'd be a good thing to do, wouldn't it? Wow. You think, hey, that, that's guaranteed to get your reward right there. You bestow all your goods to feed the poor. And though I give my body to be burned. Can you do any better than that? Be martyred for the cause of Christ? And have not charity. Look what it says here. It profiteth me Nothing. You know what that tells me? I, I, the, the, the pastor, part of the impetus for this message, how this message came to be, was I heard, uh, I heard another preacher, and I'll just leave it right there. I heard another preacher say, God will not judge your motives at the judgment seat of Christ. And forgive me, Pastor, my heresy radar went up. Whoop! Because I know this verse. Paul says, if 
I can do, I can do the, the greatest things, the things that would uh, just absolutely profit me the most. I, I can give all my goods and I can give my body to be burned. And if I don't do it out of a motive of love, I get nothing at the judgment seat of Christ. Nothing. What's your motive? What's your motive? Say, oh, I, 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 uh, I, I cut the grass. Glory. Somebody's got to cut the grass. What's your motive? Listen, pastor, you know what sometimes the motive is? The grass is growing. Right? Got to be Got to be cut. I understand that. Hey, somebody's got to do it. That's, that is a motive. But it's not one that's going to produce anything at the judgment seat of Christ. You know, the judgment seat of Christ is described in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and it talks about we're going to put our works to the test of a fire. And some of our works are going to be wood, hay, and stubble. You know what, you know what fire does to those? Burns them up. But gold, silver, and precious stone become better through fire. See, anything we do for the Lord will be, we, we will give an account for it. It will either be wood, hay, and stubble or gold, silver, and precious stones. Any, I believe anything we do for the Lord outside of the motive of love, according to this verse, will be wood, hay, and stubble. Is it for the pat on the back or because you love Jesus? I thank God. Listen, I thank God for anybody who serves the Lord. I really do, especially in this day and age. So many, so many pe- there are so many unfaithful people. So I thank God for people. You, listen, if you're going to serve the Lord, uh, is moreover is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. 1 Corinthians 4, 2. Amen. I thank God for people who faithfully serve the Lord, people who usher, uh, people who take care of the doors. I know we have people on the security team and faithfully, people that play the instruments. Thank God. People lead singing, people that preach for 35 years faithfully serving the Lord. Amen. And I'm going to tell you all that if we don't do it because we love Jesus. We may have a lot to throw in the furnace, Pastor. Right? But if we don't do it out of love for God, Wood, hay, and stubble. Boy, I'll tell you, that scares me. It should. It's not my son, it's not my sonship. No. It's the fact that I could get to the end of my life. A friend of mine, Pastor Adam Summers, great guy. Uh, he pastors 15 miles down the road from me. He's a younger guy. Just he just did a $1.2 million building project themselves. And just precious. And, and he, uh, I think I mentioned this uh, maybe the other night. Um, but he, one, one night, he, he's got the, he's got like the perfect family, you know, like the little dink, 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 like seven of them, you know, just all a year apart. I always kid him. I was like, give the lady a break. Would you please? Amen. You know, just every year. And, uh, it's wonderful family. Now, now his kids, one of his kids plays softball against us. He's 13 or 14, but this was years ago when they were just little dinkers. And, uh, he all of a sudden woke up in the middle of the night and he heard a, a sound like a, Nick and all of a sudden he began to smell he smelled like wood burning and he literally got his wife and he got his kids he said hey kids get up get go let's go and they all got out of the house and within probably 20 minutes pastor the whole house was engulfed a squirrel had bit into a wire and lit lit the board just you know zapped him and lit the board on fire whole house was gone and he was there standing literally outside his house just standing there and standing in the ashes. You know, I think a lot of Christians are going to be that way at the judgment seat of Christ. Wood, hay, and stubble. Wood, hay, and stubble. Myself included. I think, when I think of all the things, Pastor, when I think of all the sermons I prepared because I, I'm the pastor. It's, it's a good reason. I, and I think people have, have a right to come and expect a sermon from the pastor. It's a good reason. It's not the best reason. It's not the reason that's going to produce rewards for the believer. So, completeness, consideration. Go to 1 Corinthians 13 with me. 
I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3. You're in 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 3. Our completeness is going to be judged. Our consideration is going to be judged. What was our motive? Did was, was we love Jesus? Did we want the pat on the back? Thirdly, our content is going to be judged. We've been talking about this a little, but let's go ahead and read this. Verse 12 says, If any man build upon this foundation, see the foundation is just the verse up, Jesus Christ. We start with Christ and his salvation, and then we build a spiritual house. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. It means it's going to be exposed. For what it is, manifest. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. The fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Number three, I'll tell you what's going to be judged, our content. The content of what we did. Was it gold, silver, precious stones? Or was it wood, hay, and stubble? I worked in a little place called AAA Aircraft, and uh, I forget what it's named now, like KHX has probably been bought out three or four times, and, and I was a quality inspector for uh, aircraft parts for Pratt & Whitney Canada. I was a final inspector, and uh, I remember Pastor and I talking several times. I'd be checking parts, and he'd call me in the afternoon, and, oh, oh, can, can you preach for me tonight? And I'd say, yeah, of course, and he'd say, Oh, it's been one of those days. I wish I worked in the factory. And we, we weren't a factory. We were just a 200,000-square-foot uh, 200, uh, distributorship. Somebody said, what would you guys make over there? We said, money. Lots of it. Amen. Hallelujah. We, sold, we stocked and sold parts. Amen. And uh, I, I, just, I think about that. I worked in the quality department. It was my job. It was my job to make sure that those parts were quality parts. I think a particular set's amazing. You know, these, these things get stuck in your head, you know. 305-3669-01, hot section tie rods. Uh, going in the hot section of the engine had fracture critical threads, 516, 24 threads. Had to have literally measurements for every, five parts to a thread, measurements for every part, every part, every part. Incredible. Why? Because it had to be quality. One day... God is going to show the content of our lives. Whether it was quality or just quantity. And at, listen, at that point, quality matters, not just quantity. I'm listen, I'm thankful for, for, I'm thankful, Brother Benedict, for large ministries. I'm thankful for them, what they can do. God allows them a greater outreach and stuff. But what we're going to be judged on is the quality quality so the content our content is going to be judged our consideration is going to be judged let me give you the next one uh, don't turn there i'll read it to you though uh <clears throat> next point uh completeness consideration content psalm 26 1 says judge me O lord for i have walked in mine integrity I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Number four, our character is going to be judged. Our character. My boys are boys. Amen. They're, they're, they're little men pleasers is what they are, you know. I say, clean that room, okay? Miss Betty, they start cleaning the room, and all of a sudden I hear the goofing around and the fooling around and all that. And then I start to walk by the room, and they go... You know, just character. Reputation is what people think you are. Character is what God knows you are when you're all by yourself. He's going to judge that. That ought to scare you. <laughs> it scares me. <laughs> He's going to judge our character concerning our attitudes and our actions and our appetites and our affections and our ambitions. He's going to judge our character. Let's go to the New Testament. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. 
I said, let's go to the New Testament. I was the only one that wasn't in the New Testament. You guys are all there already, amen. James chapter 1. <laughs> James chapter 1. A great book. I taught, I think, 85 weeks in James. My people were so glad to get out of James, amen. <laughs> and we've been 86 weeks in Ephesians. <laughs> oh, I say, like, Pastor, can't you tell? I think Jude's going to be next, Pastor, about 25 lessons or so, amen. James chapter 1, look at verse 26, church. What else is going to be judged? If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Our conversation is going to be judged. One of my favorite verses is Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. At our church, we, we say all the time, we say, the criticism ministry is full. We don't need anybody else for that, amen? Uh, we, we, don't, we don't need Sister Longtongue and Brother Wigglejaw to get in the phone call ministry. I'm going to give an account. I know people that have torn up churches with their tongues. You, think, you don't think God's going to hold that person to account for that? The church is the bride of Christ. If somebody did something with their wagging tongue that hurt my wife, you don't think I would take that personally? <laughs> We're going out back. And my sleeves will already be rolled up. And I didn't get saved till I was 23, so let's go. I wasn't raised in the choir in the nursery. Listen, God's a better husband than I am. Huh? Just listen. I'm, I'm, I'm dwelling on the negatives, but how about the positives? Just say, hey, look, I'm going to use my tongue to build somebody up, not tear somebody down. You see somebody coming, we got, we got uh, a new, uh, uh, Heather, Heather, brand new, right? Brand new. You know what she could use? Maybe somebody to build her up here in the church and say, you know what? I appreciate your faithfulness. Coming on a Sunday night, brand new saved, brand new Bible. Come on, church. <laughs> Little encouragement note. <sighs> Do wonders for somebody. I think back and the pastor was asking me yesterday, he said, how long, how long, many of you that are new, you don't know, when I first came to Mountain View Baptist Church, my hair was down to here. And uh, long hair, heavy metal t-shirts and overalls and I still got overalls, but I don't wear the heavy metal T-shirts anymore. And as we, as we used to sing that, that song, you know, remember, Pastor, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. Remember that old uh, junior church song, Brother Tim? Maybe you sing it. We used to sing this one uh, after me. The hair I used to wear, well, it's laying over there. Amen. You know, just. Pastor was asking me, he said, how long, how long uh, from the time you got saved to the time you got your hair cut? I said, nine months coming to an old-fashioned independent Baptist church and not one person used their tongue as scissors. Hmm? But he just always said, good to have you, good to have you. What was your name, Rich? Rich, oh, yeah, here, come sit with me. Listen, our conversation is the C there that's going to be judged. Conversation, character, content, consideration, completeness, two more. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12. Very familiar verse if you've been in church at all for any length of time. Romans 12, 1. And if you haven't figured me out by now, I always give you a scripture for every point. I'm not interested in just having a porcupine sermon of my points. Every time, there's got to be a scripture there to back it up. I always, I, somebody asked me about it. I said, I'm a spiritual lawyer making a case. And by the way, the case is already won. Amen. It's right here. Romans 12.1, what's that? I beseech you, therefore, brethren. It means I beg you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies. By the way, stop. And you see that word, therefore, go back up to verse 33. 
Oh, the depth, the riches of both the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. How good is God? God is so good. And he says, I beseech you therefore because he's so good. (laughs) By the mercies of God. Has God been merciful to you? You breathe in his air. You're going to dwell in his heaven. And that's not because of you. That's because of his mercy. That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Say, what's what's this C, Pastor? He's going to judge our consecration. Our consecration. Did we consecrate ourselves to Him? You know, you can be saved and not consecrated. Or we would say it this way, surrendered, right? Say, uh, yeah, are you, are, you sa- are you saved and surrendered, or are you just saved? Hey, listen, if you have trusted Jesus Christ, you're saved. You're going to heaven. But have you surrendered yourself to Jesus and say, yes, I am saved, but I'm also yours, and I'll serve you any way I can. You know, some people never make that surrender because they think God's going to send them to the African Congo. Huh? Well, I'm afraid if I surrender, he's going to send me to Sri Lanka. Listen, look at the next verse. It says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's not God's will that everybody go to Sri Lanka. I mentioned this the other night. Listen, it may be God's will for you that you work in that factory or that office and be a member of Harvest Baptist Church. Come out for visitation. Reach people for Christ. Reach your neighbor for Christ. Reach your coworker for Christ. That may be God's will that you give to missions here at, at uh, Harvest Baptist Church. I'll tell you this. The will of God is good and acceptable and perfect wherever you are. But can I ask you this? Who do we think we are not to surrender to the one who gave us everything? The one, as we talked about this morning, the one of whom we have to do. Hebrews 4.13 says, the one who one day we're going to stand before, open and be judged. When I was in Bible college, we we used to have, uh, (laughs) I was thinking about it. Yeah, we had this six-foot offering plate. I think I mentioned it the other night. You know, six-foot offering plate. Just thinking about it, you know. Just that we're going to have a big offering tonight, you know. And uh, the idea was make yourself the offering. How many at Christmas time like the little drummer boy? Remember the little drummer boy? What could, what could he do? He just rump a pum pum that's all, that's all he had. He just, all he could give was himself. You know, sometimes we think, God, uh, you know, I want to give, give my money. And that's a good thing, not a bad thing. I want to I give, give this and I want to give that. The greatest thing you can give is yourself. Consecration. And then lastly tonight, go to Revelation chapter 3 with me. Our completeness is going to be judged. Our consideration is going to be judged. Our content is going to be judged. Our character is going to be judged. Our conversation is going to be judged. Our consecration is going to be judged. What do we need to consecrate to God? Our time, talents, and treasure. Time, talents, and treasure. And then lastly, our carelessness is going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. Look at this church, this church the seventh church in Revelation, the church of the Laodiceans, it's, it's very interesting how every other church is the church at Smyrna, the church at Pergamos, the church at... But this is the church of the Laodiceans. Laodicea means rights of the people. And uh, forgive me, this, I believe this church was run from the pew and not from the pulpit. That's my opinion. You can... You can tell me about it. Tell me about it Tuesday. I'm leaving tomorrow, so you can tell me about it on Tuesday. Uh, 
verse uh, 14, it says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things, saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works. He would say that to every church of these seven through Revelation 2 and 3. I know thy works. What does he say about this church? Really, pastor, as I've read these more and more, I hate to admit it, but uh, he's saying it to the pastor. The angel of the church of the Laodiceans, that's the messenger, Angelos. He's talking to the pastors of these churches. He says to the, to the pastor of Laodicea, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. Hard to believe that God would actually wish us to be cold. That's what he says here. I'd rather you were either cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of thy mouth. I think we all can understand that reference that's given in the scripture right here. That literally, lukewarm, careless service makes God sick. I said about my wife, I... My wife is, uh, she's just a wonderful person, but she, you know, every, everybody, every once in a while, you get sick. I'm, I'm, it's funny because when I came out, I, uh, many of you know, I found out I had diabetes and, and uh, they said, because you're a diabetic, we want to give you a uh, um, pneumonia vaccine. They said, sometimes diabetics have, have a tough time with pneumonia. And I'm really not a big vaccine person, please. I'm not only going to diatribe or anything like that. But they just said, and I said, ah, that's fine. And literally within like two hours, my throat got sore. <laughs> and I got, uh, even this week, I've been all like clogged up. I want to tell you, but it's like, I don't have COVID. I, I'm I just, just a little clogged up, you know. It's like there's no, there's no regular sick anymore. Everything's COVID sick, you know. It's just like my wife will do anything not to throw up. I mean, any, I said, sweetheart, why don't you just take care of that? She's like, nope. I mean, sweating everything. She just won't do it. You know how it is when you're nauseous. You know how awful that feels. Just like, oh, I mean, I, I think about you blessed ladies that give birth to our kids, and not only do you go through the pain of child, by the way, it's your fault. Read the Bible, amen. It's just, <laughs> but, you know, you know, and you got you get those first couple of months, and, and and you know the smell of green beans is like, you know, we think about that, we laugh about that. It's true, but you know how when you get when you're nauseous, it's it's bad. You can't do anything. You can't. Careless Christian service makes God nauseous. And then he says in verse seventeen. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. Think of all those times that the Holy Spirit said, give that person a track. Witness to that person. And we didn't. There's been times where I've passed somebody by on the street and the Holy Spirit said, witness to that person passed by. Excuse me, sir. Sorry. God wanted me to give that to you. Weird, I know. Totally weird. Then there's been other times where I let him pass by. And I knew it, and God knew it. And one day when the great white throne judgment happens, I'll know it again. We're talking about the judgment seat of Christ, our carelessness. Many of you know that when we left here, we, our son Luke was just born. It was great, little guy. He was born with a cord wrapped around his neck. most frightful moment of my life was when they said, uh, your wife's only at eight centimeters, but she's got, she's got just a couple minutes to push him out or otherwise we're going to have to do an emergency C-section. His blood, blood pressure, heart rate was dropping all day long. And uh, boy, and he came out and he was all purple and had the cord around his neck. And, and you, you dads, you know, even moms too, you know, you know you're in that, 
you know, you just don't hear anything. And it seems like it's minutes. It's probably about 10 seconds. And then he said, oh, hey, man. I said, that's my boy right there. <laughs> well, we had Luke, and, and we began to, uh, Jeff and Gina were such a help to us uh, with the moving and all that. It was such a, such a blessing, amen. And, and uh, uh, so we, we got ready to leave here, and we went down to see my wife's family in Virginia and uh, spent time with her and then went back up to, to uh, Michigan through Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio. And uh, we got there and had a great opening service. Uh, the deacons, you know, all laid their hands on me as a new pastor and just a precious service. And, and uh, my, my dear friend, Harry Carr, who was the president of the Bible department at Midwestern Baptist College in Pontiac, Michigan, where I went to school. Tom Malone was the pastor there. And uh, Dr. Harry Carr came and preached, and I'll never forget the things he said, Pastor. You know, he, he talked, he was talking to the church, and he, and it's a little different. Your pastor's always introduced himself as Marty, and, uh, but he's been here 117 years, you know. So, you know, I was a young pastor, and, and this old man of God, I'll never forget, Brother Benedict, he said, he said, uh, you can call him preacher, and you can call him pastor, and you can call him brother. Don't call him by his first name. It was the respect for the office is what he was trying to get across. And I'll never forget, he said something to me. He said, he said preacher, he said, you, you are blessed to have small children. And they're going to come in your office and interrupt your study. And he said, you let them. Because before you know it, they're going to be grown and gone. Good stuff. Got started unpacking boxes at the house and the day after my mom called me and said, your dad's doing really bad. He was in the hospital. He was in ICU. We thought he was getting better. Went from walking pneumonia to pneumonia to double pneumonia to pleurisy. When my mom had called me, it had a minor stroke, 61 years old. 40-year smoker. If we have any smokers in the room, that'll, that'll, that'll do a number on your lungs. She said, you need to get out here. I said, Mom, I just got here. I can't just gallivant back to Massachusetts. Well, I'm thinking. I'm not saying that. I'm just thinking it. Was, she said, your dad is not doing good. I said, okay. I called pastor. I said, preacher, my dad's not saved. I've witnessed to him before. I wish I could say I prayed for him every day to get saved, but I didn't. Just like, like many of us, he just said, well, it's up to God which is a real uh, coward's way out of not praying, actually, just speaking for me. I said, Pastor, I said, Preacher, my dad's uh, up at Noble Hospital in Westfield, 45 minutes up the road. He says, not doing good. My mom said he's not doing good. Would you go see him? And uh, Pastor said first, he said, oh, he said, I'm, I'm swamped today. Uh, is there any way I could go tomorrow? And I said, yeah, I, you know, he said, he's, had a, he's had a minor stroke, but he's, you know, he's stable and all that. And uh, hung up the phone. I think it was five minutes later, preacher. Holy Spirit, you know, listen, the Holy Spirit doesn't speak out loud, but he prompts us. Holy Spirit said, now. Called him back. I said, preacher, I, I don't know how to tell you this. I believe the Holy Spirit want, wants you to go. And he said, I'm gone. He got up there, and my dad had tubes down his throat. Hard to see somebody you'd known healthy with all the stuff hanging out of him. You know, Pastor only known my dad healthy. He went up and got in the room there. God gave him boldness and shared the gospel with him. My dad couldn't talk. His vocal cords were paralyzed, but he could squeeze. And Pastor began to tell him the gospel, and he said, do you understand? said, would you like to trust Christ as your Savior? The pastor led him in prayer and he said, did you pray and trust? The, did you ask the Lord Jesus to be your Savior? He said, a couple hours later, he had a massive stroke, brain dead. I've been careless sometimes for God. I've been careless with my testimony. I've been careless. Glad I wasn't careless that day, preacher. Glad you weren't careless either. 
I got on a plane and came home and saw, him, saw my dad and cut off the, cut off the ventilator and all that. And just went home. I'm glad I know I'm going to see him again. Judgment seat of Christ. Let me give it to you and I'll be done. All the C's. Okay, <clears throat> we're our completeness, our consideration, our content, our character, our conversation, our consecration, our carelessness. Here's the application. The judgment seat of Christ is a time of revealing. It's a time of revealing. Why did we do what we did? It's also a time of rewarding. I haven't touched on that very much, but listen, for those who do serve the Lord, for those who do love the Lord, there are crowns that we can receive to give back to the Lord Jesus Christ because He's the only reason why there's anything good in us anyway. That's why I believe, I believe, Pastor, dispensationally, that the rapture is chapter 4 of Revelation, verse 1. Because later in that chapter, you find us casting our crowns at his feet. We can't do that till we have them. We can't do that till we get there and get judged. It's a time of revealing why did we do what we did. It's a time of rewarding what was done. It's a time of reflecting who did we do it for. And it will also be a time of regretting for that which we left undone. Hey, listen. Church, it's not, the judgment seat of Christ is not for our salvation. That's already been settled. Let's serve him with all we have for all the days that we have left. Because he is worthy.